This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But again, it's because our brain evolved that way. We're evolved to chase dopamine hits. Right. It's why social media works. It's why there is addiction because we chase the dopamine hits. And the thing that worked for us before doesn't work for us next. We have to keep upping it, upping it, upping it. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. This episode, I'm joined by Andrew McConnell, author of Get Out of My Head, creating modern clarity with stoic wisdom. Andrew and I discuss a variety of topics, including how our mindset shapes our reality. And oftentimes the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, occurrences, and even future tripping is not the most healthy reality we live in. Andrew puts it best in our conversation when he quotes Shakespeare saying, there's neither good nor bad, it's the story we tell ourselves. I find the conversation with Andrew incredibly insightful and fascinating. We weave in and out of his personal life and how he's applied so much of the work that is included in his book, including living with intention and setting your key values to find your purpose. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. Right now, I am wearing my new 5150 hat, warm weather jacket. As well, I got my new 5150 joggers on that I like to wear around the winter time. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And of course, I said it helps within the community. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. There are three amazing programs, the Race to End the Stigma, which focuses on mental health, the race for autism, helping families in the community who have children that have special needs and are on the autism spectrum scale, and the race to be drug-free, providing free after-school athletic programs to the youth within our community, keeping them off the streets, away from gangs and drugs. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. Andrew McConnell, author of Get Out of My Head, thank you for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. Thanks so much, Jason. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, I like to start off lately. My big thing is gratitude daily. So I'm asking you three things you're grateful for today. 
the the probably number one today uh, is this is the fifth day of my five day water fast. So it's the last day I'm not eating. I get to eat tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm pretty psyched about that. Um, happy my my wife's back in town. She was traveling for a week, so she's back. So my daughter and I are very happy to have her here. And then I'm I'm happy for the life I live. Like I I live in Bermuda on the water and got to jump in the ocean and swim this morning. Wow. Um, so that. That's pretty great. <laughs> Are you hiring? I'm coming down. Uh, well, let's dive into the book. Um, one of the, the things I really want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, before we start recording, I'm in recovery and I'm really trying to change my mindset about the story I built for myself about myself. Yes. And this seems to be the one of the biggest challenges with society now, I think, part of our ills, so to speak. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it goes back to even Hamlet, uh, Shakespeare. There, there's neither good nor bad, but our thinking makes it so. It's the story we tell ourselves, and it's things happen, right? This happened. This happened to me. This happened. I was uh, part of this, um, but then we get to create the story that goes behind it. So if you think about physiologically, what's happening in a gazelle's body and a lion's body when they're hunting. They both have elevated heart rate. They both have, they're breathing hard. Their blood pressure's up, all this. But it's very different stories. One's a hunter, one's a hunted. Two right. very different stories. And the same can happen for us if we're nervous about something. We think we're nervous. We say, well, are we nervous? Our heart rate's up. Our blood pressure, we're breathing a little sh shallower. Or are we excited? Could we change that story we tell ourselves? There's a, a great story um, from the, the Nobel laureate, Richard Feynman, mm. who at one point in his career, he, he just he was so excited growing up about physics and diving in. And then he got to this point in his career where he was just going through the motions. And he said, why, why is this happening? And he had to go and change the story he was telling himself, the story about what he was doing. And he, it became play. And once it became play, he became a Nobel laureate because he loved what he was doing. He didn't ever want to get out of it. And you can do the same things. The same things can be happening around, but you get to create that story. And just how we are, a lot of times we'll default to a negative story. Yeah. We don't have to, right? Like most people, they get so nervous in public speaking, you know, the old joke of, the number one fear, the second fear is death. And the number one fear is public speaking. So most people at a funeral would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Uh, but you could change that. Hey, it's not fear. It's excitement. It's anticipation. Um, and, and if you, it doesn't become natural, it, it doesn't come naturally, but if you practice it, you can get yourself, your mind to start matching uh, where you want it to be. Is that... From, from the work you've done, is that a lot of the way with our mind working as far as the, you know, the unforeseeable future, so to speak, people get really stuck in future tripping? Yeah. So, I mean, this this gets back to evolutionary biology, right? So, you think about humans, we've been around 300,000 years, say. Right. Uh, but 99.9% .9 of that, we're hunters and gatherers. We're out just walking around, seeing gazelles, trying to stay alive in these really, really dangerous environments, physically dangerous. And so you think of the ancestor who's out on the savannas and is looking out at the giraffes, looking out at the zebras. And it's like, wow, what a beautiful scene. And there's a little rustling to the side. Well, 
the ancestor that could stop and smell the roses and enjoy the beautiful scene, the one time out of a hundred or a thousand that that was a lion, they got eaten. They didn't pass their genes to us. We didn't get those genes. Our brain is not that person's brain. Or the person who heard the rustling and was like, you know what? Nine times out of 10, it's a meerkat. It's not a big deal. It's like a little cute animal. Well, that worked nine times out of 10, but all you needed was that one when it was a lion and you got eaten. So the optimists didn't come down to us. And it really was an environment where only the paranoid survive, right? Andy Grove said it in business, but it's true for humans. It's how our brains defaulted. So our brains, when something happens, we jump to the worst case scenario and then escalate it to, well, what could be even worse than that? And so when you're thinking about the future, you're going to the worst case. Oh, this could go wrong. Oh my God. And then spin out, right? Like your, your kid doesn't come home when they said they would. Oh my God, they might be in an accident. It's terrible. And you, you just start spinning out of control because that's, that's our biology. That's how our brain was evolved. <laughs> it just doesn't serve us. It kept us alive when we had huge predators out trying to eat us. Now we live in cities. We're not dealing with that kind of environment, but we have the same kind of anxiety for things that are not life-threatening now. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in what you're saying, I mean, just at sitting in my group meetings uh, with other people in the anonymous thing, you know, we've talked about this area. Like, why did our mind go to such a crazy story of everything? Then how we defined ourselves, how the world definitely sees us and we are completely value valueless so and powerless so i might as well just go ahead and use my drug of choice and you know it's that weird spiral that we can just continue yeah. to go in and um i'm assuming trauma plays a lot into that too you know we almost seem to repeat a pattern or seek out a solution to that that we just don't escape yeah i mean it can so th there was a psychologist alfred adler who comes at you, you can come at it from two different directions. Mm -hmm. So I think it was Tony Robbins had kind of the story of these two sons and the, the father was in and out of jail and abusive and this, that, and the other. And, and like one ends up going off into jail and has all the same issues. And the other becomes this total teetotaler, very successful businessman. And you ask like, how did you come up like this? And he's like, well, based on my upbringing, this is all I could do. Right. One told the story of, okay, I have to be what I see. The other's, like, I want to be anything but what I see. And this gets back to these things happen. But the story we tell about what happened could be infinite. Like, okay, yes, this happened that my parents were neglectful. Okay. But does that say anything about me? That I, I jumped to something else and creating a story of what that says about me as a person. But all that is true is my parents were neglectful. Right. Everything else is in here. Everything else is right here. The only thing that was true is, okay, and even neglectful, you start putting labels on. Okay, my mom wasn't there at this time. Wasn't there in these times. Okay. I mean, there could be infinite reasons why all that was going on. And so, it's we put labels on, we create stories around it. But if you can start to pull back of, these are things that happen. These are things that happen and separate out the judgment, right? It, back to that Hamlin quote, it, it's the thinking that makes it so. If we can pull the judgment from the action, from what happened, then we can start to create 
different narratives. Yeah, that's really and and it's funny you mentioned that Tony Robbins story. I know that because that would be my brother and I, you know, okay. <laughs> the older brother quite successful. It's probably because he was fathering me a lot. Uh, but uh, no, it's really it, that 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 reframing is so important because a lot of work that I really had to do was cutting that victim mentality. You know, it's like okay, yeah, there was some unfortunate, not so good circumstances. But I I spent so much time letting that define me and oddly repeating that through everything, through interpersonal mm. relationships, how I saw myself in society, the, you know, how I valued myself with others. The Knocking Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. It's a really scary pattern to kind of, that we don't have more tools out there for people to help break. Yeah, it gets back to kind of the, the phrasing around it is this mm -hmm. idea of a locus of control. Right. Are you familiar with that, right? So locus of control. So you have uh, externally focus of things are happening to me. This happens to me. Um, or an internal of these things happen. Now I'm, I'm the action driving. Like those things happen. They didn't happen to me. Those things happen. Now separate, what am I doing? And so you look at someone like Bruce Lee, um, that right when his career was taken off, right, he just started getting booked for the Green Lantern, this, that, and the other. He injured himself doing some exercise at home. And the doctor was like, you might never walk again, much less do everything else. And so for the rest of his life, which was sadly too short, he was dealing with his pain. He said, you know, no, this is, I could sit here and bemoan, okay, I'm not the same person. It's not everything that I had before, or I can say, nope, like, here's what I now can do. Let me work around that. And it's, you find on the, the locus of control, they can track children uh, and those that have it even younger. Later in life, those with a, a more internally focused, like I'm the, the agent, mm -hmm. are much better at staying not overweight, right? Like the other way of, oh, I'm overweight. This, this terrible thing happened for somebody saying, wait, I get to decide what I eat, how I sleep, what I exercise, right? I'm taking control here. You just have much more power, which we all actually do. That's right. a crazy thing. We all have the same power. It's just, do you see it? Can you believe it and feel it? Uh, and this is a little bit where sometimes the words and the the beliefs need to follow the actions, right? We always think, okay, actions will follow the beliefs. Right. Well, sometimes just start doing it, just start doing it. And once you start doing it, you're like, oh, okay, now I can believe it because it can feel a little fake. If you're like, I don't have any evidence of this sure. yet. Well, just start building the evidence. Your beliefs can follow the action. 
Right. It's it's almost um <clears throat> tell me what you think of this for for me <clears throat> in talking with others you know we we talked about morality and social standards and then I you know it was like let's focus on our values because I think if we could define our values then we could define our intentional living after that and I think yeah. there is so much with what you're saying just a just a huge level in our society now of subconscious living yes yes I mean sleepwalking so much right. so much I, I, how many people have gone through the exercise of defining what their values are people might kind of subconsciously know what their values should be mm. of okay you know based on my religion or based on my upbringing this is what they should be but who's actually gone through the process yeah. of saying what are my values i mean i did this maybe 10 years ago mm. and initially came up with a list of 10 and then i tracked it like, oh, okay. Ten's too many. I, I can't, I, I'm not consistently living. Like it's five. It's five that really drive my life. And I had my ranking and my ranking was based on what I thought it should be. And again, I track. I'm like, that's not my ranking. That's not how I'm living. Now, do I want to change that? Or is there a good reason for it to be this ranking? And I, I decided there was a good reason that the ranking I was living is actually what I value and what I'm happy to value. Um, but that is just a great temperature check on are you living a life aligned with your values? Because you, you can have these times, someone says, I, I value flexibility mm. and I value security. Mm. Well, you're going to be in a lot of anguish at times because those are going to be in conflict. So, what you need to know is if I, it's maybe you do value both, which do I value more? Mm. Because when they start being in competition, what's going to win? And can you start taking away that anguish? Cause you know what your values are. Yeah. What are your five values? Yeah. So number one is growth to, to constantly be growing, learning improvement. Uh, number two is health. So investing in my health, hence the, the five day water fast, <laughs> uh, but exercise diet. Number three is my family. And so that's what I initially had first. But what I realized is I couldn't be there for my family in the way I wanted to be without one and two. I wasn't going to be the person and I wasn't going to be there for the long term without taking one and two uh, to feed into three. Number four is curiosity to, to go in, stay humble, stay curious. Uh, and number five is peace to just yeah. chill and, and be at peace with things. Yeah, protect that at all costs, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, right? Because other people, they may not, they, right? They may feed off of the the chaos and the going and like their values are flux and, and change and it's just different. Yeah. Mine, for me right now, peace is higher up the ranking, um, probably at about two or three, um, just because it needs to be right now for where yeah. I'm at in life. Um, and it took me a while I was like you, <laughs> I probably had a list of, I did it the AA style, you know, the, the people that know the step four where you're writing out all your men is like 20 sheets of, of my values. And, um, you know, I still struggle to kind of whittle it down, you know, as I'm trying to live more intentionally, but I really had to take a look at that. And, you know, I had other things above it myself and it mm -hmm. was literally a uh i was watching a i think an interview with kobe bryant and he was talking about selfishly unselfish like if we're not taking care of ourselves we can't show up for others 
And I failed at that for years in my active addiction. And that for me is a huge thing in that value list to be there for those that have been there for me, you know, to be of service. So, so I had to really take a look at that too and shuffle it like, oh man, I got to put myself first. This is really scary. I don't know what this is like. And I'm still defining it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, if, if you've lived for years, maybe your whole life the other way, I mean, it, it feels unnatural. Right. You have to really flip it around. And this is one of those, again, I think, where beliefs have to follow action. Mm. It It's hard to believe something if you have decades of all this evidence in your life opposite. Right. You say, okay, I, I, I'm not even going to worry about the belief. I'm just going to start living this way. I'm going to start living this way. And then a week goes by, a month goes by, years go by, all of a sudden, that's your life. You are what you live. You are what you do. So you start doing it and the whole belief system changes. Yeah. Andrew, I got to ask, how did you get into this work and what, what inspired the work, inspired the book? And yeah, you know, was there a moment is just like, I'm not liking how life is. I need to switch a mode here. Yeah. I mean, there are a few moments. So I, you know, I, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I founded a bunch of companies and, and my most recent that I just sold less than a month ago was rented.com. Uh, and so have been in this rental space and, and we use this phrase all the time of we help you maximize the value of your most valuable asset. And then COVID hit and I was looking around and I said, no, a house is not someone's most valuable asset. It's their mind. Mm-hmm. And the mind is getting totally wasted. I look at everybody doom scrolling all of a sudden. I look at how I'm doing, like checking the news, checking Twitter, you know. What's happening on Netflix saying, oh, I'll just watch this one show, but then it auto plays and three (laughs) hours later, you're still sitting there and saying, man, this is the thing that we own. And yet we just give it away without thinking, right? When you were saying about the the subconscious, we live subconsciously. We, We subconsciously are just giving it away because we don't see our own value. We don't value ourselves. Why is this? And so I just started going down this rabbit hole, I'm like, why is it? And got into the science and, and the evolutionary biology of it and then how to fix it, right? And I, I don't think it's an accident that roughly 2,500, 3,000 years ago, right when humans got out of that, the savanna and, and the plains into civilization, into living in cities, into living a more modern life, that you got Lao Tzu with the Tao Te Ching, you got Siddhartha and Buddhism. You got Socrates. You started getting the Stoics. You got all these people that came up totally different parts of the world, never conversed with each other, but coming up with very similar ideas because they were having to struggle with this brain that was antiquated and not evolved for the world they were living in. And if you think Socrates had a hard time in ancient Greece with this stuff, what about now? He didn't have TikTok. He didn't have he didn't have a twenty four seven news cycle. Uh, he didn't have a, a phone in his pocket that was just constantly trying to pull him in for dopamine hits. And so, if they had those problems, we have them, you know, a hundredfold or a millionfold. And but their remedies still hold true, which is amazing. Yeah, and it's a huge hookup. Funny when you, I don't know if he caught me laughing quietly when you brought up Twitter, because that's the worst now for me, you know. 
And I've gotten to the point where I've been able to filter out most of the crap, but it's like, oh, come on, people. And I just have to, I have to go, not give it my time or attention. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, what is it going to matter if I fight with this person on their, their beliefs around, you know, COVID or whatever it is? It's like, it's not going to make a world of difference. It's just going to waste my time. Right. And that's your most valuable asset. Yeah. Your time. So, you know, we can all go make more money. You can go get an extra degree. You can go work more hours. You can do all of this. But you know what's true is Jeff Bezos and you and me all get the same 24 hours a day. Right. Nobody makes more time. Yeah. And if you're giving it away ever, it's the biggest waste of your life you can have. Yeah. And, and it, I see it and it sounds like, you know, you as a parent as well. And it's one of my worries is the... The giving away your mind for the story you tell yourself because of someone's pictures or 30 second clip or whatever it is about how great their life is and how much your sucks in comparison. And it can lead people. Some people, it might lead them to work, you know, working harder, finding focus. But I think the vast majority, it's kind of driving to them. I won't be that. I've seen it mm -hmm. with young ladies that I've spoken with in, in classrooms about, the, you know, like, well, I'll never look like this woman. It's like, well, they might be a terrible person. <laughs> who cares? You know, what's your, what, who are yeah. you going to be internally? You know, what's the content of character here? I mean, there's so many pieces of that, of one, that person doesn't necessarily look like that person on social media either, <laughs> right? You don't know the filters, everything that went around it. And they're separate of, if you want that, you have to want everything that goes into that, right? People, oh, I want, I want your body. I want this. Okay. Well, do you want to do five-day water fast? Do you want to not eat any sugar for years at a time? Like, do you want all the things that go with that? Because if you don't, then no, that's not what you want. Yeah. You're choosing something else. You're prioritizing something else. So know that you don't just get that. Like you don't get to be LeBron James without working 16 hours a day at that sport. You you, you don't just put a couple hours a day in and say, oh yeah, I'm going to be the next LeBron James. It doesn't work like that. You have to get everything that goes along with it. I mean, that's one piece. The other piece of it is regardless of the content of the character, what is your goal? Like, is it peace? Is it happiness? Is it fulfillment? And the truth with the hedonic treadmill is getting to that ideal weight, right. getting to that level of uh, affluency, right? Of I, I have this house or I have this car, all that. None of that moves you up. None of that makes you happier. You get a hit, right? You got the new car. Oh my God, I wanted this car. I got it. A week goes by and you see a new car. Oh, now I want that car. It doesn't help. It doesn't move you forward. And so we think we want these things these other people have, but the really scary thing for them, and, and you go hear it from so many of them, they were chasing all that. They got to that. And then they got there and like, holy shit, this is terrifying. <laughs> I don't feel any better. I thought this was the thing that was going to make it for me. And it didn't. The Olympic gold medalists that are depressed for years afterwards because they thought this is everything. And then they got it and they realized the next day that nothing's different. I have this little ribbon. 
like, but nothing's actually different. So one, it's a little bit like the grass is greener concept of one, it's a delusion. Um, even optically with the grass, when we look at something from an angle and above, it appears brighter than if we're standing over something, looking at the exact same thing down. Right. So that's an optical illusion. Oh, I want that. Well, you want that because it looks different from where you sit than where they are. Yeah. Two, if you look over, oh, I want that. It's this great garden. And below your feet is a terribly untended yard. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get over in that garden, all you're going to do is be a crappy gardener and waste that garden too. Don't run away. Start tending the ground below your feet. Mm-hmm. Make yourself a better gardener. Find what it is that you're trying to cultivate and find out how you can do that where you are without having to chase other people's dreams. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. I think a story we get sold and it, it happens definitely like in the Hollywood romance that we're going to meet this magic soulmate and fulfillment is there. And, and I'm the first person to just be like, what a load of crap. Hey, that's terrible. That's shitty to do to another person to say your fulfillment lies in another, in another person's hands. And that it's that there's a soulmate or anyone's going to know you more than the person staring back in the mirror. That's the person, like you said, with, the, with the, this mind is our mind, and and I'm getting more switched on to it um, that we can change that way that we see that one person. That's it. That's all we got. I mean, that I, I think where you started there too is so powerful. I think people forget that of how selfish it can be to put that on someone else. You're my everything. I'm your everything. Like, what a burden I'm not carrying. I'm your everything. That's a lot. You should be your everything. Like, I, I want to be a piece of the whole, but man, everything, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the other piece, too, of, and, you know, we, we live in a society now, it, just where technology goes, that we want something, we push a button, we get it. We want food, 10 minutes later, it's there. We want to order on something on Amazon, 10 minutes later, it's there, right? We're used to getting everything we want. Music. It used to be you'd have to wait for the radio to play the songs you wanted. Then you could start buying records and then you could start buying CDs. And now we can stream anything at any time, anywhere anywhere we want. And I I think divorce is going up because people don't realize it's work. It's investment. It's not about, uh, I had a mentor tell me, love is not uh, an adjective. It's a verb. Yeah. Right. It's not that I feel love. It's that I love. I choose to love. I'm going to, with my actions, with my words, I'm going to choose to love. And in a relationship, when it gets hard, we say, oh, I don't, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel right. the love. Well, no, no, no. It's a verb. You're going to choose to love, not about the feeling, 
Beliefs follow the actions. With all your actions, give love, be love. The feelings will come yeah. following from that. Uh, and we we forget we forget that. I think that's such a selfish thing. Like what you said is a, a, like, I don't feel that. No, what you're saying is you're no longer getting the huge dopamine and serotonin and these types of rushes that maybe you did and the butterflies and everything else like that. And and so, you, you know, your brain's like, hey, I like these things. They felt, you know, that reward right. system. And where is that at? You used to do that for me. And it's right. like, wow, that's terrible. You know, as someone that's that's been that too, that's been yeah. guilty of that, it's like, God, what a god-awful thing you know but again it's because our brain evolved that way we are evolved to chase dopamine hits right it's why social media works it's why there is addiction because we chase the dopamine hits and the thing that worked for us before doesn't work for us next we have to keep upping it upping it upping exactly and whether it's pornography and you lose your ability to get dopamine from a real human because you're used to this quick i click a button i get exactly what i want whether it's you know, social media that I, I can't engage in a, a conversation because I can't listen and, and go back and forth and move at a human pace of life because I need this technology phase of life yeah. that's giving me the dopamine hit every three seconds. Uh, we, we're handicapped in a lot yeah. of ways, but we can address it if you know that. No, and you nailed me right there without knowing my backstory. It was definitely that as someone that came from uh, struggles with pornography since childhood. But yeah, I noticed that it's that edging up that we have to do. You know, to, I, I'm in a group, Andrew, where um, we're all in recovery and we talk about like every week our check in is part of our screen time, you know, and we all have a goal to get it down. Unfortunately, uh, three of the four of us work involving social media. So it kind of, yeah. you know, adjusts it. But, but I've had to learn filters for myself. I don't spend personal time on there. I, I try to focus if it's work orientated and getting content out and trying to connect with other people that are in that space. And after that, I just have to kind of leave it because I notice I go into a funk and depression. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I'm very similar I think to you on on social media. I choose to be a producer, not a consumer. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm going to engage with this cuz it, it I need it for the brand, I need to get the book out of it, like to to achieve getting these ideas in front of more people so that they can live their best lives. I need to engage on these things. But that doesn't mean I have to sit there and watch every TikTok video. I have to go in and no, I that's not required of any of this. Yeah. So what am I going to go in for? Yeah. I don't care about two girls dancing in a bikini to a song. <laughs> I just don't. It's like filtered out, please. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, I love to ask people about childhood. I'm always so fascinated where they come from. Tell me about little Andrew. Yeah. So uh, I was I was an accident, as my parents let me know. Um, <laughs> they, Weren't they, we all? <laughs> yeah. They met in uh, med school. So both my parents are pediatric. My dad's a pediatric cardiologist. My mom, pediatric hematologist, oncologist. Wow. They're both retired now. But I, they met and got married in med school and then had me while they were in med school. Wow. So I, I would end up in classes and stuff if they couldn't find babysitters. Like I was in their med school class. Uh, and uh, as a result, I mean, I, I grew up at a time when, you know, they're going through med school, residency, fellowship. They're not earning much money and just saw how hard they worked right. and how much they cared for their patients and their well-being. And so I think I, I was pretty lucky in having that modeling. Um, 
And then we, we moved a bit. I lived in Alabama, then Cincinnati, then back in Alabama, then North Carolina, finished high school in Florida, went up to Massachusetts for college. And I, I became a competitive swimmer oh, in wow. high school and ended up making the US national team, swimming in college, and then went to, to law school uh, and ended up doing a, a year abroad as part of my law school where I met my wife. My wife's English. And she's, she's a real lawyer. I never practiced. I did the bar <laughs> exam, but then never practiced. And so she always tells me, you're not a real lawyer. I said, yeah, fair <laughs> you can be the real lawyer. Um, and yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, there's, a, there's a lot there. I, I skimmed over a lot, but now, now a uh, husband and father to a six-year-old daughter named uh-huh. Tallulah. That's and awesome. um, we're now three years in to our one-month visit to Bermuda. We came for a month <laughs> to see my wife's family um, because in COVID they had closed the borders. Sure. So we both met here and we're still here. <laughs> we, we never got out. <laughs> oh, that just sounds absolutely terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when did, so is that kind of when the entrepreneurial spirit kind of kicked in after the bar exam and you're like, man, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you talk about little me, um, you know, other people would play games as kids. So, you know, we're like six, seven, eight, nine. And I remember my 10th birthday, I would get birthday cards that say, you're the boss of the neighborhood. Like this idea of being a boss was something, Some for some reason, I just really, really valued. I wanted to be a boss. Uh, and so I think I had that in the back of my head, but coming out of law school, I, I went to McKinsey and did management consulting and a very highly compensated individual, right? Like my my earning potential working for other people was very, very high. So every time I'd have an idea for a business, I'd run the math. I'm like, okay, this idea, I had a, back when I was 15, this idea on virtual reality for historic sites where it was more augmented reality, where you'd look at the forum in Rome and you could flip it on to go back 2000 years and see what it looked like there and then turn it and see what it looks like today. And when I was 15, there was no real technology behind it. Once you had smartphones, it could do image recognition. I was like, okay, well, this could be cool. We could partner with the Acropolis. We could partner with the Parthenon, like do all this. But then I did the math. I was like, eh, you know, the numbers... The size of the business, I don't think justifies, and the risk justifies giving up what I'm making right now. And then when I had the idea for the first company I did quit my job for and go build, uh, it was Vacation Futures. It was a multi-hundred billion dollar industry growing very quickly. The opportunity seemed enormous. And so I'm like, okay, this is worth the risk. I'll quit my job and go do this. And had to, of course, get my wife on board. Yeah, that's always a part of it, right? In the yeah. partnership, in a real partnership, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, now I'm 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 just always highly fascinated by you know highly motivated people because even though you brought up, yes, there was a good amount of income, it was never the focus. Yeah, I, I mean, I, this is the thing I tell people: I've never taken a job that wasn't a pay cut from the prior job. Huh. It's uh, I I am just not very money motivated. Right. I, I'm not big on things, you know, like we, we talk about, uh, I said I was on the national team. My daughter was asking the other day, well, where are your medals? Where are this, right? Like you're in a national medal. I throw them all away. I, yeah. I don't need to keep this stuff. I, I'm not, I'm a very minimalist person. Like this is one of seven shirts I have. 
because uh, there's seven days in a week and then I can do laundry and I, mm-hmm. I get seven shirts. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It, money, I don't chase finance. I chase fulfillment. Right. Uh, and that, that to me is what makes life meaningful. Yeah. You know, you said something earlier when we were talking and it made me think of the time I, I was able to go to Caitlyn Jenner's home and talk to her on this podcast. And she spoke about, you know, when I was Bruce and I won that medal, I went, oh shit, because I know I'm stuck in what everybody else wants me to be. And it's like, wow. But that gets back to the story she was telling herself. Right. Was she stuck? Like, just because they want that, they want Bruce on the Wheaties box. They want Bruce to do this. And it took her how long? Decades to say, (laughs) wait, I don't have to live for them. I get to live for me. This is my life. Yeah. I'm the author of this story. Let me go live my truth, not theirs. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to do. I'm I'm still I'm still working on it, man. I'm still working on it. Let's talk about uh, the book. Get out of my head. So, um, so it's not only you know the things that you've learned, but you did some profiling of different people as well to include in there. What what uh, individuals and what why were you choosing maybe a variety of um, you know career backgrounds, etc. Yeah. So the the profiles vary from entrepreneurs like the founder of DocuSign to Navy SEALs who ran teams and training to social activists, to artists, um, to Olympians all all over. And for me, it comes down to people have different aha moments Mm. of what makes it really click for them. So there's the science in there. People who say, oh, the science is enough. Like I get it. I'm going to go act on it. Great. That's there. There's my personal story for people that may resonate with my story around it. And then there are these stories from all these other people and say, oh, that person really resonates with me. That person, I can see. Uh, I, I think back, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, and he has this book, The Four Hour Body. Yeah. And there's a chapter about losing all this weight without having to diet, right? Like the, this way of losing all this weight. And I told you, my dad's a pediatric cardiologist, right? He was a physician and gave him this book. And he had an aha moment in it and lost 65 pounds in a year and started running half marathons. He just let himself get out. And he's like, I had to unlearn what I had learned in med school on nutrition. It was just wrong, right? Like science moves on and we learn new things. And his aha moment was Tim Ferriss had profiled this uh, NASA scientist who was out buying clothes and said, "Eh, why does it matter? I'm not going to look good in anything because I'm fat. And then the guy thinks, wait a minute, I'm an effing... NASA scientist. I've been good at everything I've chosen to be good at. Why don't I choose to be good at this? Mm-hmm. And my dad, being my dad, is like, wait, I'm good at everything I want to be good at. <laughs> I can be good at this too. And so that was his aha moment. My brother-in-law went through the same thing, but his aha moment was learning that you can look skinny, but you can have internal fat wrapped around your organs. And that's really, really dangerous. Said, oh, that's scary. I need to be much more healthy. My father-in-law I don't know if you ever actually read it. We tried to get him to, but his was hiking up a mountain with us and he couldn't keep up with everybody. Like, oh, okay. And then he went and lost 27 pounds in six months. Um, But everybody needed their own aha. There wasn't a universal thing that was going to make it click. And so that's where I really wanted a variety in the book because when you start off and you say, I have a question, 
Have you ever found yourself sitting with your family or friends, but your mind's not there? You're you're thinking back to something that somebody said. You're you're worried about what's going to happen next week, or maybe you you got cut off in traffic, and an hour later you're still in a bad mood, or you're lying in bed and you're you're exhausted, you're tired, but you can't go to sleep because your your mind's racing. And everybody nods. Everybody, it's universal, right? These are un- It's what it means to be human, and so the the problem as well as the remedies are universal, but to get people to see it. That's where I wanted that variety to say, oh, okay, that worked for them. I'm like that person. I can see, I can relate. Mm-hmm. Let me buy into this now. Mm-hmm. How do you, within the book, challenge the, the reader? I've I've read so many books and it's not that they weren't good, but it didn't really leave me with any tools, Andrew, or some yeah. a way to reframe, rethink anything or, you know, um, was that did you put a conscious effort to that? I'm kind of calling you out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh yeah, aha moments can feel great, but then we just move on and, and nothing really happens. So tied to the aha moment, every single chapter closes with an exercise, a worksheet, uh, about how do you now put this into practice in your life? Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things. My my wife's like, How can you write this book? You're not perfect at this. I'm like, exactly. That's why I have to write this book because I'm not perfect at this. These are the exercises I use to have to remind myself. Mm-hmm. It's like diet. It's like exercise. We don't just do it once. It's ongoing work. Yeah. It's like overcoming addiction. It's ongoing work. It's the work of a lifetime. And to take ownership of our mind, that is the best job of a lifetime. It's the most meaningful job of our lifetime. Take back that ownership because it makes us so much more effective in everything else we do. And so just because I care much more about the impact, all those exercises, all those takeaways are pulled out mm. in a separate PDF, entirely free on my website. So even if you didn't want to go buy the book, if you didn't want to go listen to Audible, you can go get all those exercises. You can go get that benefit um, because, I, I, again, it's something we all struggle with and we don't have to. It's natural, but there are a lot of things that are natural right? Like living naked, we, we choose not to do that, right? So let's let's get away from natural and say, okay, I want to overcome my ancestors' biology. I want to overcome what I inherited to live a better life because I know there is a better way. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I, uh, I used to, I had a foray for a little bit as a teacher and uh somehow we got on definition of life and uh, you know everybody you know this that fulfillment i just said work it's the work you're Mm -hmm. gonna put into it you know uh recognizing that but also recognizing oh i'm not putting all the work in so you know but but that's the exciting thing i think about life is is uh i was a where's the finish line guy as opposed to enjoy that destination of it you know this uncertainty that will come and you know control the controllable every little phrase and saying you can put out so it's it's made life more exciting you know it's it's you learned to make the process the result you were seeking right Mm -hmm. so you get back to those dopamine hits if the goal is the finish line then you get there and it's a letdown it's always because of how dopamine hits work. You you trained so you could run this marathon. You did. You got this big dopamine hit, but whatever the size of the hit, 
the fall off is just as big and slightly longer. Yeah. But if your end goal is to live healthier and you start to get excited, you're like, man, I love running each day. I love running. That marathon is a step on the journey, but you're still getting that dopamine hit every day you go out and run. It's the process that is the result that you go after and it's transformative in your life. Absolutely. Andrew, uh, if people want to get a hold of the book, the audio book, connect with you, how can they do so? Yeah. So the book's available, all the bookstores, Amazon, it's on Kindle, Audible, everything like that. Uh, my website is mandrewmcconnell.com and has links to everything there. And then I, I'm super active on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to connect, uh, happy to hear about your journey and, and discuss because yeah, just want to help as much as I can. Absolutely. I'm going to add you to LinkedIn once we get done here. Uh, all right, Andrew, this is a time we have a little bit of fun. Okay. So we're going right. to jump into some random questions and I, I give you the final thought like you're Jerry Springer, you know, <laughs> except this isn't a shit show. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could have dinner with any one person, who would it be and why? Uh, living or not, by the way, living or not. Yeah, I, I would say there, there's so many, but uh, maybe Seneca. Uh, he just had this way with words. Uh, and he wasn't always the best at living the principles of Stoicism, but he was one of the best at teaching them. And so I think just what I could learn directly there, he would be up there. It's interesting you bring that up. Uh, I kind of sometimes enjoy the contradictory between the teacher and the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fascination in that. Um, okay. Let's say some uh, Hollywood producer gets a hold of the book and wants to learn more about your personal story and decides we're going to make either a TV or a movie series, a Netflix series out of your life. Who would you want to play adult you? Chris Pine? I, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be good. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, somewhere you tra want to travel in the world, you have yet to go. In two weeks, uh, my family and I were going to Namibia. So I'm really excited about that. So I haven't wow. been yet and excited to go. Yeah. H how long are you going to be there? For two weeks. Wow. What are you guys going to do? A lot of stuff. So a couple safaris, going into the deserts and staying in bush camps, going out to the coast. Hopefully I'll swim out in the ocean out there and not get eaten by any sharks. <laughs> right. but yeah. I mean, it's really trying to travel around the country and see all it has to offer. Wow. That's going to, what an amazing experience for your daughter too. Yeah. It, it's, uh, we were supposed to go three years ago and then, you know, COVID started getting <laughs> in the way of stuff. So it kept, kept getting kicked, but this year we're leaving in, uh, 20 days. No, 11 days. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? I don't know if this counts as a single one, but to be able to understand and communicate in every language, um, just because I, I feel like you could learn so much yeah. from other people. And if you could go to their vernacular, then you just could embed in any culture, any community, uh, and just learn so much from people. I have never heard that one, but that is really cool. I had a conversation with my kids. I don't remember when um, we were talking with them about, you know, a person's thought 
thought process is really molded by their initial language and thus yeah. culture and everything. So that's really fascinating because I, yeah, I think it would be, I loved when I've been able to travel abroad is like be with people that can take me to do actual non-touristy things, you yeah. know, like check it yeah. out. Like, uh, I went to Japan, my cousin spoke pretty decent Japanese and we just went and hung out with people. It was, that was yeah. my favorite memory. You know, it was, yeah. it, I saw so many cool things, you know, the rainbow bridge, Fiji mountain, you know, went to a baseball game, but it's was like, no, it's just hanging out with people was the coolest and kind of seeing yeah. the culture and how they work. And, you know, uh, I got to help my cousin's girlfriend's family move. So, you okay. know, so picture in Japan, Andrew, you, you get the piece of furniture, the shoes go back on, you get it to the car, you go, the shoes come on, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my okay. God, this is the futile situation here. Oh, That's goodness. Some extra steps in that process. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's ironic to ask you this one being you're in Bermuda, but anyways, you're, you're stranded on an island. You have uh, one movie with you and one music artist's uh, greatest hits. Uh, what would those be? The movie, probably La Vida e Bella, uh -huh. Life is Beautiful, the, uh, the Italian movie, uh, just such a beautiful film. Uh, and then greatest hits... Part of me wants to say Bob Dylan, and then another part wants to say Taylor Swift. So I, I don't know. <laughs> Real, really torn there. Yeah. Uh, that's like the stuff that we we kind of find ourselves going, oh, well, I got kids. I don't want to listen to this thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's like, hey, put on Tay-Tay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, this has been a real pleasure. Um, I leave you with the final thoughts, anything that, uh, you want to give like a nugget of wisdom to, to folks out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, all of us are born as owners of our mind and all of us at some point start defaulting to, to being tenants and it's not our fault right like there's no story to tell about i'm weak i'm this that, and the other it's it is human that is what it is to be human uh but at the same time there's a better way that's entirely in your control that doesn't require anyone else you don't need me right people people write and say oh your book changed my life I said no you changed your life based on what you've decided to do having read this and just know all the power all the tools you need, you already have at your disposal. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. 
Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.